So over the last six weeks or so, we've seen that the early church really does develop out of homes. There's deep conversations that take place about faith and about life together as a community. There, there were funny moments that take place in homes, like the, the one where, where Peter escapes certain death and, and where he shows up at Mary's house, where John Mark's mom's house, and is left standing outside because of all the excitement. And then there's moments like the one that we, we looked at last week where Lydia uses what she has, her, her home. And she opens it up to to be used to further the mission of the church in a new way and in a new place. So Paul and his companions, they they take the Great Commission to heart. So they travel throughout the, the known land, sharing the transformative story about Jesus. And as they stop in homes, their own community begins to take shape. It all it all starts as they, they gather in homes. So our passage this morning comes from the tail end of Paul's third missionary journey. Now, just like with his, his previous journey, he, he starts in Antioch again. And, and he follows a, a pretty similar route to the routes that he had taken in his first and his second journey, kind of going the, the same direction. He goes through Galatia and Asia, visiting friends and, and teaching and preaching and praying with people along the way. He visits Ephesus. In Corinth, and, and in Corinth during this trip is when most believe he wrote his letter to the church in Rome. Romans, the, the, the book that many uh, scholars believe to be his, his most uh, kind of well thought out and articulate letter. And then, then he feels like he's being pulled back to Jerusalem, back to his roots, where he's sure to find plenty of trouble. Now, he would have been seen by his former colleagues as kind of the, the Benedict Arnold of, of his day. He sails home, and, and along the way, on the way back to Jerusalem, he stops at Philip's house in Caesarea. Now, remember, Philip, he's one of the first seven deacons chosen to, to serve the early church. Philip, he goes to Samaria, and then in, in Acts 8, we read about the conversation he has with the Ethiopian eunuch, where he, he leads the Ethiopian to Christ. But then we don't really hear a whole lot more about Philip until now. He settles in this beachside town, Caesarea Maritama, which, as we talked about a couple weeks ago, was kind of this this Greco-Roman oasis or or world set up right in in Judea. And, And there Philip continues in his ministry. Now, in the beginning of Acts chapter 21, Luke recounts sailing with Paul from place to place. And along the way, they run into other Christians and the other Christians say over and over again, Paul, don't go. Don't go to Jerusalem. It's too dangerous. And then starting in Acts chapter 21, verse 7, we read this. When he had finished the voyage from Tyre, we arrived to Ptolemaeus. And we greeted the brothers and stayed with them for one day. On the next day, we departed and came to Caesarea, and we entered the house of Philip, the evangelist, who was one of the seven, and we stayed with him. He had, Philip, that being, had four unmarried daughters who who prophesied. And while we were staying for many days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. And coming to us, he, he took Paul's belt and bound his own feet and hands and said, thus says the Holy Spirit, this is how the Jews at Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt 
and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. So, so this prophet Agabus, he, he travels down from Jerusalem to Caesarea to, to warn Paul, as if Paul hadn't heard, heard quite a bit of warnings already. And he paints this very vivid picture by, by putting on a dramatic play of, of what would ultimately happen if Paul went to Jerusalem. This, this is an image that we often saw from Old Testament prophets. He's kind of following the same model. And of course, it would have upset, upset Paul, but it also would have upset Paul's friends. And Luke continues, starting in verse 12. When we heard this, we and the people there urged him not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, what are you doing, weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be imprisoned, but even to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And since he would not be persuaded, we ceased and said, let the will of the Lord be done. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So Paul, he, he knew what he was getting into. He, he knew what was coming and, and it terrified his friends. So, of course, they they push back and they try to talk him out of taking his trip to Jerusalem. In Philip's house, Paul had this very tough decision to make. He had to discern where God was leading. And in the face of, of all kinds of information and, and probably some, some misinformation as well, he had to discern where God was leading. I'll never forget the conversation I had with a, a mentor when I told him I was feeling called to go into vocational ministry. I had just finished or was just finishing my undergraduate degree in organizational and managerial communication. And I had uh, began interviewing for, for all different types of jobs in all different types of fields. I, I remember walking out of an interview with Fidelity Financial Services and, and walking past, walking through the office, past uh, rows and rows of cubicles. Everything at that moment as I walked out of that office just kind of slowed down. Almost like one of those those choose your own adventure book moments where I could either pursue one type of vocation or another. And, and the choice was this big choice. It would have ramifications on the rest of my life. Now, I talked with with a mentor and and I told him that I was leaning toward ministry, that I was thinking about seminary, thinking that he would be thrilled. He was he was a pastor after all. And I'll never forget what he said. He said, Dave, if you can do anything else, do it. Gee, thanks, Jeff. His point was, if I was called to vocational ministry, I better make sure that it was really, truly a calling that was really a part of my identity. It couldn't just be a, a fleeting feeling. Now, my guess is we've all been there, not necessarily with a call to ministry, but, but probably with something else. I'm guessing that you've had to make a decision at one point in your life, and, and that decision would impact the rest of your life at some point, choosing a career path, choosing where to live, choosing a, a school or your friends or or even choosing your church. Shoot, with all that's going on right now, we're reminded that every time we leave our house, we are making a choice. So how do we make sure we're making the right choice, both with the big decisions and with the ones that seem small? 
Now, now th- this group of people that Paul was with, they were his closest friends. They had, they had seen him move from being this kind of cold and, and rigid person, someone with a, a Pharisee's heart, to being someone who was warm and deeply loved, who, who wrote letters and who thanked God for his friends in all of his writings. That's why he says in, in verse 13 that as they're pushing back, that they are breaking his heart. He cared about what they thought. He cared about what they thought, and he still had to move forward. Uh, The only commitment that he had that was deeper than the commitment he had to his friends in his church was his commitment to Jesus. So they go back and forth, and, and then collectively Luke writes that they echo the prayer that Jesus prays in the Garden of Gethsemane, and they, they proclaim, the will of the Lord be done. Now, I have to imagine that, that some of Paul's friends made that claim, the will of the Lord be done, and they, they made, made it kicking and screaming. It wasn't one that they, they took lightly. But, but they weren't ready to lose their friend. They weren't ready to lose their leader. And for us today, this, this passage, it raises all kinds of questions, but one of them is about obedience. Are we praying the will of the Lord be done in our lives? Or are we looking for the approval somewhere else? In, in Acts chapter 20, verse 22, while, while Paul is in Ephesus, before he even gets to Philip's house, uh, he says that he's being led by the Spirit into Jerusalem. Are we listening to the Spirit? Are we ever so afraid to step out in faith that we allow the voices around us to crowd out the conviction that God has placed on our lives? I think it's important to note that there's a huge, huge difference between stepping out in faith and making spirit-led decisions and doing something reckless. Paul was committed to taking the gospel to the ends of the earth, and in order to do that, he had to pass through Jerusalem again. Was it dangerous? Of course. Was it a necessary and yet calculated risk? I believe that it was. He goes to Jerusalem directly to James, who was the leader of the church there, and he shares all that God had been doing in the Gentiles. He shares all about his travels, and James's response to Paul is an affirmation on his call and an affirmation of his decision to go to Jerusalem. And then while he's in Jerusalem, he goes to the temple where he's arrested. He knew what was coming. Now, on one hand, the prophets and his friends, they were, they were right. Going to Jerusalem did cost him. But on the other, it was a decision that led to him fulfilling his calling to living into his God-given identity. So for us, Maybe the lesson we can learn from Paul's decision here is about our own calling and our own identity. Do our decisions help us to fulfill the calling that God has given us personally or or collectively as a community? Do our decisions reflect who God has called us to be? Are we willing to commit to our calling and identity even when our friends or someone else might try to talk us out of that calling and identity? And how much time do we spend listening to prayer, not talking to God or telling God what we want or what we need, but but earnestly listening and discerning? Now, decision making, it's a part of everyday life. It starts when we wake up and, and when we start our day in our homes. My encouragement for us this morning is to be a people who listen to God, who make decisions based on our calling and based on our identity. Amen.